Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. We are opening up a new series this morning, and it's going to be a series on creativity. Um, We're going to be looking at how God is the author of creativity. He is the most creative being in the world, um, in the universe, and we'll be kind of fixing our eyes upon him. But ultimately, what I'm hoping to do is that we would see our role then as image bearers of him as we carry out his creative nature. I think we talk a lot about different character qualities of God. We talk about how we get to be uh, ministers for reconciliation once he's reconciled. Us. We talk about how, you know, we got to go and love people the way that he has loved us. And we talk about having hope and joy, all things that come from him and that we represent his character to the world. But I think one of the things the church, we kind of lack the conversation around, man, that means that we're going to be creative as well. We're going to bring about, we're going to carry with us this, this sense of creativity that's meant to draw us up and draw the people around us into this like beauty and wondrous awe that hopefully points people back towards the creator. Amen? And so that's where we're going over these next few weeks. This week's going to be a little bit of a setup message. Um, and then as we get into it, I'm just excited. Um, one of the cool things that happens when you're preparing a message or when you're building out a sermon, and Kent would always talk about this, but you find kind of this theme in Scripture. And I felt like God a little while back was like, hey, let's look at this idea of creativity and starting, look, starting to look for biblical principles around it. And you find a kind of golden thread that you just tug on. And then you're just like, Oh, this list goes way farther than I thought it would. You just keep pulling at it. And there's just so much there that's awesome. And so I'm hoping we kind of get into it and you all see it this week, but before, or this week in this series. But uh, before we do that, let me just take a quick poll, everyone. Who would say they're just naturally a creative person? Go ahead and raise your hand. Don't be afraid. This is your moment. Creative people, like you don't get a lot of moments in life. Raise them high, be proud. How many of you would say like, I am not creative? Thank you very much. That would be me. That would be me like, you know, started studying this and I was like, man, I am so not a creative person. Like I can draw a pretty mean stick figure, you know, and I remember actually being in chemistry class in college and I didn't really know what was going on. And so I would draw, you know, you get like a thing of sticky notes, except it was my notebook that I should have been taking notes on, but you'd make the stick figure like run across the bottom of the page. But that's about the limit of my creativity right there. Um, or so I thought. And as you begin to look at it in scripture, you realize, no, wait, there's far more than just this kind of left brain versus right brain creative conversation. Uh, like we just kind of like everything in our culture, it feels like right now, we love to reduce it down to I'm either creative, I am a creative, or I'm not. And we sort of just settle there and we go, okay, um, that, you know what, we'll leave the creative things to the creative people and I'll just sort of get back into my spreadsheet and I'll get back comfortable, you know, being an accountant, being boring. You know, we kind of have these rigid stereotypes where the creative person is all like feelings and the non-creative person, the type A person, the more uh, right or left brain person is the non-creative person. They're just rigid and it's all facts-based. And, and then the creative person's like loosey-goosey and you can't count on them for anything. And they're all like up in their head. And, and we have these sort of, ideas built out that divides it. But, but the, the question I want to seek at the beginning of this is, is, aren't we all creative? Aren't we all made in the image of an almighty God who in a just awesome display of creativity and power made everything? And so we're going to start right there. Genesis chapter one, verse one, page one of your Bible. Open it up if you got it. Hold your Bibles up if you got them. All right. Some of the Bibles are glowing. 
That's sweet. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, there's a figure of speech at play here that you've got to be aware of, and it's called mirrorism. Mirrorism, you're more familiar with it than you think you are. Um, when someone says, like, I, I'm kind of misplacing stuff often in our house, like the keys or whatever. And, and, you know, sometimes with kids stuff, it's like, go look for that kid's shoe where they leave their shoe. It's always a shoe, isn't it? When you're trying to get to church on time, isn't it always a shoe? Ah, oh, I don't know what it is. But anyways, it's like, did you find the shoe? Listen, I searched high and low. I searched high and low, and that's mirrorism. That, it's using two, um, two parts to contrast one another to communicate the whole. So, so you say, I searched high and low. And it doesn't mean like I got on my roof and I searched high, and then I went down to the basement and I searched low. What I'm, what I'm saying when I searched high and low is I looked everywhere in that house for the shoe and I could not find it. Like I looked up from, from the top to the bottom all over the place. I couldn't find it. We see this in wedding vows. I'll, I'll love you. I promise to love you in sickness and in health. It, for better or for worse, uh, for richer, or for poor. It doesn't mean you only are going to love your spouse. Come on, somebody. When you're rich or when you're poor, it means I'm going to love you in every financial circumstance. No matter where we find ourselves going through health, no matter where we find ourselves going through life, I'm going to love you. It's mirrorism. And so when God says he created the heavens and the earth, it doesn't mean he popped up and created the heavenly realms and then he came down here and he created earth. It literally means from the tops of the heaven to the bottom of the earth, he created it all. He created everything. And as you read through the next 25 verses, of God creating, and he's creating the stars in the sky. He's creating the sun and the moon. He's creating the ocean. He's creating all life in the ocean. He's creating all the vegetation on the earth. One of the things that struck me this week as I was reading over that was, it's fascinating to think that God didn't just create the thing in Genesis 1, but he also created all the systems that now sustain the things. And so he didn't just open his mouth and put the stars in their place. He did, but he also put them into an orbit. He put them so that we would actually be able to see in the night sky and be able to see which directions were which. Like he made the sun to, or the moon, the sun to go around the earth. Like, okay, Austin, not creative or good at science. Here we go. No, I know the sun is in the middle and the earth goes around it. And that gives us seasons, right? It's like, oh my gosh, is summer over yet? Is it fall yet? Is it going to snow? Like he's given us seasons. He, I think of even this week, how man, like this fire has been crazy and it kicks back up again. And on the one hand, you're like, man, how destructive and how devastating is that? As you just see the smoke just like coming off the mountain, right? Um, but then you read about the lodgepole pine. It, is, it has a unique kind of pine cone in that it's covered in this resin. It's covered in this sap that's super dense. And it actually only opens up to release its seeds into the world when it's under immense heat. Usually the kind of heat only found in a fire. And so in a moment where there's just this chaotic destruction, God has created a system for sustainability. He's created it so that when death comes and when like the fire is going across land and erasing everything, it's also automatically giving rebirth to new life. It's amazing. He made, he made all the cells in that moment. He made the oceans to have currents. He made all the different ways that our metabolisms would work and all, all the different deals. Like he just, he set up the systems too. He didn't just make the things. He made all the things behind the things that make the things work. And, and I don't know about you, but when I think of making stuff, I, I think of all the times I've tried so hard to make something and I've just it's, it's failed bad. 
anyone else just ever tried to make something they've seen on Pinterest and you're just like, what is that? Or how, uh, men, how many of you tried to make something your wife's seen on Pinterest and that failed miserably, <laughs> right? That wasn't it for God. Like he, there was no, I don't even read any effort being put forth really. He just opens his mouth and the world falls out. He just speaks to the vast expanse in the night sky and he places all the stars there. He just, he just, he speaks and he creates at the power of his word, things are made. And I was reading in Job this week, getting ready for this message. Cause there's just that, that kind of legendary portion of scripture. If you don't know the story of Job, like it's brutal. Job is a brutal book, uh, but towards the end of it, Job has like this flash of humanity. He's just going through it in his life. Everything's being taken away from him, his health, his family, all of his cows, you know, all his stuff's going away. And he cries out to God in a moment of just being totally human. He goes, God, like, where are you? Would you just show yourself to me? And God answers him in this whirlwind, right? It's probably uh, Job 38. It's just one of the most legit portions of scripture of all time where God's like, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I put the waters in their place and gave birth to them and put, put boundaries around them? Have you seen the storehouses of hail? Have you seen the storehouses of snow? And then in, in Job 41, he starts talking about like these dinosaurs, like Leviathan pops up and he's like, could you pull Leviathan out of the ocean with a fish hook? And have you seen its scales that you can't stab with a harpoon and that when it sneezes, it breathes out fire? That's in your Bibles. Job 41, dinosaurs, crazy, <laughs> creatively crazy. Like, do you ever get the feeling that God's almost like superfluous or extra with his creativity? I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about it this way. Like, like he didn't have to make the world in color. He didn't have to make the beautiful sunsets. He didn't have to put all that in place so that when you would look, you, you would see something that's just awe-inspiring as you look at the sunset over the Rocky Mountains. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to make all these tastes, all these different things that we get to experience, all these things that we creatively mix together to make amazing things. Like he didn't have to make the, the Cliffs of Moher. He didn't have to make the Grand Canyon. He didn't have to make the Matterhorn. And he did because he cares about beautiful things and he creates beautiful things and he redeems things to be beautiful once again. That is in the nature, in the character of our God. And so really, if I could kind of break it down, my two hopes for this series going forward. One is that I hope that we all kind of get off of this, like, I'm not creative, you're creative, I'm just, uh, you know, like boring or you know, however we would have that conversation. But that we, we wouldn't see ourselves as creative or not, that we would see, no, the, the most creative being in the universe created me. And he created me to do something. So I hope on, the, on a high level, we can all just kind of pull ourselves in to realize, no, God has uniquely knit me together as I was being formed in my mom's womb. And he's given me gifts. He's given me resources. He's equipped me with different things to make a difference in the world I live in. And so I hope we can kind of all get pulled into this conversation a little bit. But I also hope that um, we can create an on-ramp for, for the naturally creative people, the more stereotypically creative people, to have a spot to serve, not only here in the church, but that you can see your giftedness to go out and make a difference in the kingdom of God. So like uh, Steph Hewitson for a long time has been an administrative specialist here. And this year, John and I were just like, we're just going to call it what it is. You're the creative director. You've been doing this, you've been doing it this year. Anything that you've ever seen, a slide, a poster, a video, she's made it all. 
She's made all of it and she's done a lot of it just on her own. And, and her hallmark, uh, not her only hallmark line, maybe one of her hallmark lines is, I just like pretty things. <laughs> Amen, somebody? You know who else likes pretty things? Jesus likes pretty things. And so I think we have in some ways, not just like this church, but I think the church by and large has neglected to kind of steward and call out different creative giftedness. Like, like you should, you can use your art for the glory of God. You can use that ability to take beautiful pictures, to make beautiful videos. Like you have the ability to tell beautiful, wonderful stories. Not everybody has that ability. So you could, can you use that? Can we somehow figure out how we can harness that, create an on-ramp as a church to have like a creative team of people that help us tell the beautiful stories and show the amazing things that God's doing in our house. So that's, that's kind of the two hopes I would have for this series is that we would find, even if you're like, because some of us right now, like you're just like, man, that ain't me. Don't sign me up on that creative team, right? I'll just be drawing stick figures for slides up here. And that's Okay. All of us have been uniquely gifted. Not all of us have the same gifts. We've covered this, I feel like, a ton just in the book of Ephesians. But, but here we go on into Genesis. Let's keep going. Because God creates it all. In the beginning, God created everything. The heavens and earth, they were formless and void. Out of nothing, ex nihilo is the phrase. Out of nothing, he created everything. So he creates it all. And then we read down here as you get to verse 26. And you have to be really cognizant and aware. Every time that a pattern is established in scripture, you need to pay attention to when that pattern is broken because the author is trying to communicate something of greater significance when he breaks the pattern. And so the, the creation narrative says, God made this and it was good. God made the heavens and it was good. God made the stars and it was good. God made the animals. It was good. God made the oceans. It was good. like, he goes through all those different things, not in that order. And he says, it was good. It was good. It was good. And then he creates man and woman in the image of God. He creates them. And he says that it was very good. So let's read here how our charge is different than the rest of creation. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them pay attention to this part. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so God, God tasks humanity specifically. So, so nothing else is made in God's image. Male and female, humankind is now made in the image of God. And they're given this task now to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea. Have dominion. Have dominion over the earth. Have dominion over the things that inhabit the earth. And this is called by theologians the creation mandate. It's the creation mandate, also known as the cultural mandate. It's something that's entrusted with, given specifically to humankind. And so like, this is right away where the conversation of evolution starts to crumble because like, you don't think like your dog thinks. Your dog doesn't see all the hostility between border collies and Labradors and say, we really got to fix this. <laughs> like, like your mug's not just sitting there going, man, you know what? I just wish all of these people could get along. All these canines could get along, right? Cats for sure aren't thinking that. The worst. 
sorry. Like your, your pets, the animals in the world, aren't thinking about how they can create a sustainable way to live in this earth. They're not thinking about how we could improve the education system that exists for chipmunks. Like, like animals are just not brilliant as some of them may be. They're just not created in the image of God. Therefore, they are not carrying this task of going and reproducing him into all the earth. So they're, they're not, this is why we like dream. This is why we have an imagination. Because intrinsically woven into every human soul it is this reminder from the garden that things are not the way they should be. And we dream and we imagine and we long to see a world where all things are made new, where all things are put back together because we know that we lost something in the garden when humanity fell. When sin entered the world and it fractured all, there's part of us that recognizes that. And so we see injustice. We see things that shouldn't be uh, the way they are. We see things that could be improved. We see innovation that could happen. And we dream and we desire to build and to go out and do things and accomplish things unlike anything else because we were made in God's image and we were tasked with a mandate to go into all the earth, to fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion over it. Now, this has certainly been used out of context in ways that would say, man, you know what? You got to go like all the earth just exists to serve you. And so who cares about the land? Who cares about different species? But how we would see um, our authority given over all creation is the same way that we would see Jesus' authority over us in that God does not lord over us in this oppressive way to use everything out of us, but he lords over us in a way to lead us to the greatest possible life. And so the word in creation is actually to cultivate in Genesis 2, it says, cultivate the land, work it, put it in order, put, take, the, like, take that chaotic field and use it to feed people. And, and there's all these different ways that even you, not being necessarily a 2020 creative person, like you're creatively sent and put into the world to, to make a spreadsheet that solves a problem, to, to go and to have creative conversations, to navigate relationships in a way that orient people towards Jesus. It's given to all of us. And I don't really think that's the question. Hopefully you can see that this morning. Hopefully that's easy to see right off the bat. That maybe if you're not like embracing your inner creative at this moment, at least hopefully you can see that, no, God's awesomely creative and he has created me in his image. And so I think the real question that lies before us this morning is now, okay, I was made to be creative. What am I going to do with it? What, what am I going to do with it? The how we'll talk about next week, but what what are you going to use your creativity for? Um, if I could subtitle this message, I would call it the tower in the tent. The tower in the tent. I think there's two contrasting stories in, in, in the very beginning of your Bible, one in Genesis, one in Exodus, of people going out and seeking to build because that's what humans do. It's not just what Christians do. Humans, we all have this desire to build and we all have this desire to cultivate and make things better, Right? We all, every single human has that in us. And so there's two stories of different camps using that desire different ways. So flip open to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 is the story of Babel. That's how it opens. Now, like I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I love to just kind of sprinkle that in whenever I can. But like, so I didn't, I didn't really maybe even hear the Tower of Babel story until I was like 19. And it's just kind of, it's kind of weird, isn't it? And you're like, what well, does God hate teamwork or what's the deal here? What's happening? I don't understand. I hope you'll see here. There's, there's a couple problems with Babel and we'll tackle them next here. So verse one of chapter 11, 
says, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, 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 I think it's Shinar, and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops, with its top in the heavens. And pay attention to this line right here. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. I love this next line. And the Lord came down. So you realize they, they put all their effort into building this tower as tall as they could possibly build it, up, up, up as high. Their, their goal was the heavens. And then God just kind of savagely weaves into scripture. So I had to come down so I could see it because you're still so far beneath. I know he could see it from heaven. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he made the statement to say, and then I came down to see what they'd been working on. I just think that's impressive. We serve a big God, amen? Amen. And the, Lord came down, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And then it goes in and, uh, you know, God, God confuses all their language. He, he creates all the different human languages in this moment. And so, uh, because he can see there's a couple things that are wrong with what's happening right now. Uh, the first and most obvious one is that they're not building the tower for anyone other than themselves. And so central to the Tower of Babel is this problem of human pride where we take the resources, we take the skills, we take the things that God has given us and we use them to build a name for ourselves. This, they, they use the brick. They have the brick and they, they build this massively impressive tower to make a name for themselves. The brick is just a tool. The brick didn't have any good or any evil in it, right? Same, same to be said with like your social media account. It, it is not good. It is not evil. It's just a thing. And if you choose to look at it this way, it can just be a tool. You can have a following. You can build a platform there. People can see you. They can see the things that you're about. They can see the things that you're stand, standing for. The question you got to ask yourself is, how am I using this tool? Am I using it to build a name for myself? Or am I using it to make great the name of Jesus and to display what he's done in my life? Now, I'm not saying you got to share that one thing. It's always like, man, you know, if you really love Jesus, share this out to 10 people and I was like, okay, come on, like that. We got to be better than that. Let's be better than that. Can we all vow together? Sharing something doesn't make you a Christian. Okay, moving on. Um, but it's a tool. It's a tool that's put in your hand. How are you using it? If you're going to cultivate that thing that God has given to you, Instagram, Facebook, he, he chose you to be alive in 2020. He knew you'd have these things at your disposal. How are you going to use them? Same with money. Money is not good. It's not evil. Well, Austin, I thought the money was the money was the cause of all evil. No, that's not the verse. It's the love of money that causes all kinds of evil. Again, the money's just a tool. It does not possess the ability to be immoral or moral. It's just a thing. It depends on what your heart then does with it. If all the money in your life seeks to serve you, seeks to serve your kingdom, you've made an idol out of that. You've given yourself over to the pride thinking that everything in your hands seeks to serve you and you're neglecting to see it as an opportunity again to make great the name of Jesus. There's so many different things. Your job, your house. How, how many people like, you know, this and we try and like clean the house all up, make it perfect. Uh, not always so that we would have this perfectly hospitable environment when we have friends over. But why do we clean the house up real good? So that people would think we're awesome and that our house looks this clean all the time. I got news to you. If you come over to my house right now, it's not as clean as when it is when I invite you over for dinner. <laughs> I clean it up so you're like, dang, they're clean. Wow. And they got these kids running around. I'm like, mm, yeah. 
Okay, sure. Come over an hour early sometime and watch my wife and I running around like our heads are on fire. Like, ah! Come on, how many of y'all ever hid things in the oven? Just like for real, hid something in the oven. Somebody's coming over, you like throw the dirty dishes in there. Microwaves open, put it in there. I'm making light of it, but do you see? Do you see that all the things that we're given, your homes, your job, your money, your social media, it, if it seeks to serve you, you've given yourself over to pride to think that all the resources, all the things in your life seek to build your kingdom and not Jesus's. So the second, the second sin of Babel, it's, it's harder to see than the first, but, but they're afraid, it says right there, they're afraid that uh, let's make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The second sin of Babel is they, they have the creation mandate. They have this order to go in and fill all the earth and they retreat into a city and they take everything in their life and they make it about their cities represent comfort, especially in the Old Testament. Cities represent security. Cities represent safety. And, and so all the thing, God has given them these amazing resources, he's given them all this stuff and they use it to build up their own comfort. How much does that still play in 2020? Like God has given you things, not so that you can isolate yourself from the rest of the world. He didn't, he didn't call you into that job so that you could never show up in a coworker's life and just dip back home the second you punch out at five o'clock. Like he's placed you somewhere to get involved in the hard conversations to like make yourself available to that story that's terrible and it's tragic. And you know, if you start having this conversation with that person, it's gonna be a long conversation. You got those people in your life where you're like, man, if I go start to talk to them, it's gonna be just like this downward spiral into just sadness. God has called you to speak hope into that situation. God's called you to carry his light. He, you were supposed to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's one of the iterations of the cultural mandate, of the creation mandate. Go, don't, it's not all just for your comfort, for your security that this has been given to you. You've been called to go into the dark places of the world and make a difference. Amen? Amen. So the flip side story to this from Babel would be the tent. So Exodus 31, we'll flip on over there. We'll have it up on the screen too. This is coming right off the heels of Mount Sinai. Um, Israel has been just magnificently saved out of Egypt. They're wandering through the desert. God takes them to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up onto Mount Sinai and he, he gets the, the law written on stone tablets, which is more than just like God's way of emailing it to them back then because they didn't have that then. Like, like ancient Near East customs meant that God was entering into a treaty with his people. Like he was entering into a covenant relationship, an agreement. It was written down on stone. And then if you remember right, like Moses comes down from Mount Sinai, Israel's already made a golden calf. Like, I don't know what's up with that. They're already worshiping something else. They're like freaking out. They've hit the panic button after like just not long enough, you know? And, and so Moses slams those down, uh, which would be a representation of breaking that covenant. It's powerful. It's this powerful symbol of, of going, nope, the deal that we just entered in is already negated, but God is faithful. And so he signs up, he signs a new copy he gets another uh, just batch of it written down on the stone tablets. Moses comes down. And one of the first thing that God institutes and has them do is he says, now you're going to make a tabernacle, a place where I can dwell with my people. Now that they're in relationship, got the, over, the recurring theme over and over in scripture is God, is want to, God wants to be with you. 
God wants to be with you. And so they get all these instructions to build the temple and it's very specific, very, uh, it's gotta be just spot on because God is perfect. God is holy. He will not, he will not go anywhere where it is not perfectly righteous. And so starting in 31, chapter 31, verse one, the Lord said to Moses, see, I have called by name Bezalel, Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. Bezalel is this guy, he's called by God. He's actually the first time it's mentioned in scripture that someone is filled with the spirit of God. He's given a very specific task to make a tabernacle for God for, for the reason, the reason why he's doing this, the reason why it matters, Bezalel is called, he's gifted, he's filled with the spirit so that he can bring people into the presence of God. If you follow that line, he, he's, he's called by God, filled up with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you realize that I have, I have giftedness that God has uniquely wired me with. Like everyone, Christian or not, has these kind of knacks for different things, but there is a spiritual gift that's present once you come to faith in Jesus. And so he's called, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's given this ability to do all these really specific things. He's got to make stuff out of acacia wood and like all these different, like, man, he's got to make this table and these lay, like the curtains and stuff. There's all sorts of fabric that's just crazy. He's got to do this really specific task, but for the goal the service, the, the reason why he's been gifted is not for himself, like with Babel. It's not to make a name for himself. You maybe never even heard that dude's name before today. Somebody, anybody want to be awesome church? You know, like Bezalel, I've never even heard it before. He's, he's not making a name for himself. He's building a place where people can encounter the presence of God. So now what's strange in this message and what was even like harder for, for early followers of Christ to believe is now like, it's no longer about a tabernacle. It's no longer about a temple. It's about you. Like, so now we are called the temple of God. So, but I thought God could only inhabit something that was holy and perfect. And that's, woo, that ain't me. Yes, it is. As soon as you put your faith in Jesus, as soon as you say, no, listen, I, I'm giving myself to you. I'm turning away from my prior life. I am committing my heart, my life. It's all in service to you, Lord. The moment that happens, you are imputed. You are given the righteousness of Christ. And so now you are perfect and holy in God's eyes. And what that makes available to you is it now makes your body a place where the Holy Spirit can dwell fully. And so even though all of humankind is given this capacity, this desire to cultivate and to nourish and to create things, the Christian now has the unique ability to partner with the creator of the universe in the renewal of all things, because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm going, God is going with me. So I could be in the grocery store and I could have discernment to speak to somebody. I, like he can speak to me in a moment and, and he could use a gift. He could use something that's in my hand for the advancement of his kingdom and check it out for, for other people to encounter his presence. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go out 
as you are going is the better translation of the, of the Great Commission. As you are going throughout your day-to-day life, carry the presence of God with you in a way that you would hope to see the people around you encounter his very presence. After first service, I was talking to a friend and, and he was like, listen, one time I was fixing this air conditioner, random guy, didn't really know him, fixing his air conditioner. A little while later, his wife died and they asked him to do the funeral. Ask your AC guy to do the funeral. Then later the, the guy died and the family had him do his funeral. So, so all of a sudden you have just this regular, normal person carrying the presence of God with them as they're fixing an air conditioner, fixing a car, plumbing a house, going to work, staying in your home while you're just trying to call people or stay in touch with the world. Like the presence of God is with you. And, and so much so that he then got the opportunity to share the gospel with a hundred plus people. Only in the kingdom does something like that make sense. Where, where you actually get to see your life. Like I'm not the only minister in the room. We are all sent by God, placed in a specific place to have a ministry with the people that we interact with, the coworkers we interact with, the family that we interact with. And we've been given by our creative God, this unique wiring and giftedness to bring forth his kingdom and his glory in the world. And so as we go through this series, what I hope that you will see is that you, you are not anywhere by accident, including in 2020. As much as we're all just like, come on, give me 2021. Like just start it right now. Like you were all placed in this spot. God knew you'd be in in the middle of all this racial tension. God knew you'd be in the middle of this election year. God knew you'd be in the middle of COVID-19 and he placed you. And he didn't just place you. He specifically wired you to, to have a certain amount of resources, to have a giftedness that exists in you for the advancement of his kingdom. Not that you would use it all to build a kingdom for yourself, Not that you would use it to be this awesome, fun person that everybody loved and everyone was always going to pay attention to, but that you'd actually reach into the dark places of the world and start telling people, looking like Jesus in hopes that you'd bring his presence into their life. That's our call. There's a lot of different ways that people feel in the Bible. Like real Christians, real biblical characters, like they, they feel anguished at times. They, they grieve. Um, they feel depressed. They feel anxious. They feel uncertain. They feel joyful. They feel excited. There's lots of different emotions. One that you do not see frequently is boredom. Christians are not called to be bored. When we get bored, silly things start to happen. When you get bored, you start to see everything pointing back towards yourself. And so the call, the charge, if you will, is to get involved somewhere. Get involved. Step into the hard places. We'll talk more about the how in the coming weeks. All I wanted to set forward this week is that, man, no matter how you are wired, creatively, stereotypically creatively, analytically, spreadsheets are like your best friend, no matter what, you have the choice before you. Are you going to use this for the kingdom of God or are you going to use this for the kingdom of yourself? That's the choice that's before you. We'll talk about the how in the coming weeks. Um, So would you guys stand? I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I do just ask that you would uh, fill us up. Lord, fill us up with your presence. And better yet, would you help us recognize the availability of your presence in our life? Help us see it. Help us know it. 
Help us listen to you, not just in a quiet time in 10 minutes in the morning on our way to work, but would we actually be available for you to interrupt us at any moment of the day? God, as we are going, would we be carriers of your presence, carriers of your glory? Help us to not make things about our comfort. Help us to not make things about our security. Thank you for the resources and the finances and the giftedness that you've placed in this room. It's everything that we are going to need as a church for the things that you've called us to do. But God, don't let us get so comfortable thinking those things seek to serve ourselves. Help us be passionate and fervent in using the things you've placed in our hand to steward them for the glory of your name and for your kingdom, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We give you thanks for this awesome morning. Pray that you'd be with us the rest of this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.